0: Listened to everything they said and bought into everything they said. Well, through a series of events in my life, God brought me to a place where I wasn't, I was separated from those pastors and teachers and godly men and women that were in my life. Suddenly I found, found myself in a situation where they weren't there. And I began to try to apply the things that, that I felt like they had taught me but I realized the stuff that they had taught me, I couldn't make it work in my life. It just wasn't working. Okay? In fact, nothing was working. I mean, everything was not working. And one day I had a vision. And here's the vision. I saw this house. I think I've shared this before maybe, but there's a couple of people here who not here when I shared it, so for your sake. I saw this house out in the middle of a field. And this house was a shack of a house. Uh... Basically, the house was like this. Where the front door was, there was a window. Okay? Where the bathroom was supposed to be, there was the kitchen. Where the ce- you know, It was like the ceiling was down here and the f- carpet was up there on the roof. And the Lord spoke to me and said, That house is you. And that's what He said to me. That house is you. Then... In this vision, out of the peripheral of my eye, this vision, I saw a, a big yellow bulldozer coming towards the house. Literally, I saw this. And the Lord said, that's the Holy Spirit. And guess what the Holy Spirit did? Right down to the foundation, He pushed that house down. Pushed it off the foundation. There was nothing left but the foundation. And that was really what was going on in my life. And see, what I feel like God was showing me through all that. What I had done is I had loved those people. I had taken the things that they said, and I had put them together in my life. But I put them together wrong. See, I was living my Christian life through them, through their experience, through their revelation. And I was taking their revelation and their truth, which was absolutely revelation and truth, and I was trying to live it. I never bought their truth. I never paid for it myself. And therefore, the house I built, God said, that thing ain't, uh we ain't doing this. We're not having a house like that. Be careful how you build. You know the old saying, this is an old preacher saying, what you preach on Sunday, you have to eat on Monday? It's really the truth. The better way, and here's the problem with that kind of eating it's usually rotten Monday when you eat it. When you had to eat it on Monday, it's rotten. The best thing to do is eat it way before Sunday ever gets there. You go ahead and eat it. You go ahead and buy what you're preaching. You go ahead and start living it. You go ahead and let it start be truth in you. You may not live it fully. It may just be your goal in life. All of a sudden, it's something that God touches you and you're going after it. But you are headed down the direction of your life. You're not just taking truth that's not really yours and trying to live it because you can't do it. And you'll build a house wrongly. Because, see, here's what happens. is God gives us the truth. He gives us to them through preachers and teachers and, you know, godly men and women. He gives us those truths. But He takes them and He stacks them in your yard. And He's looking for you to build it. He's looking for you to build your house. Let me ask you a question. How are you building your house? How are you building your house? If the only time you're really seeking the Lord is on Sunday morning, you are in massive trouble. You're in massive trouble. You are in massive trouble. And if the only thing you got is what you're hearing other people say, and you are living your revelation, your life is all based on their revelation, their truth, you're in trouble. You're going to fall. You're going to get messed up. It's going to hurt you. You've got to buy this stuff. You've got to live it. You've got to take it. It does no good for me or Jim or anybody else in this room to have something from God and get up and share it with you. And you take that thing and think, well, I've got it now. Well, I'll tell you, you don't have it now. You don't have it now. You're going to have to buy it. You're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to live it. Are you with me? Now, I'm being serious with you this morning. I'm telling you the real truth. It's a bad truth. It's a hard truth. It's a truth you're going to pay for. But if you really want everything in God, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. Now, turn over to 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7. Is any of this making sense? See, one of the things that I feel like, you know, that really hindered me... I'm just being real honest with you, okay? I mean, I don't know how it's to be. One of the things I feel like really hindered me was this, is... I had that problem as a young Christian. As an old Christian, I had another problem, okay? The, the other problem was this, is I didn't really believe that God could use me, okay? I really didn't believe it. So what I tried to do to make up for that, un, that unbelief in my heart, that lack of confidence, because, see, I hadn't come to that place. I didn't come to that place of who, how, what, where, why God I never really faced it. I only faced it on service. surface. I never really got to it with God. Therefore, there was this real insecurity in me. I was always looking for somebody else that could bolster me and make sure that they were there and they could help me. They can make up for my deficit my lack. Now, I believe this. I believe God does not have one person that has it all. I believe God puts people in teams. He, He's looking for that collective corporate thing. Okay? But before Paul ever teamed up with Barnabas, and then, then they went down to Antioch and had that whole church they were all teamed up with. Paul was alone with the Lord. Paul went through these issues himself with God. You see what I'm saying? You see, we've got to get to that point. I don't feel like I'm connecting with, with y'all. That's, that's what I, I don't feel like I'm connecting with you. I feel like y'all are just sort of looking at me like, what is he talking about with these blank looks on your face? I mean, I, I really want you to get this. Maybe I want you to get it too bad. You know, because it's it's been such an impact on my life, all this. It's, it's, It's really changed my life. You see, what it really did to me, it drove me to my knees. It made me realize, God, you know something, I don't really trust you. I don't really know you the way I want to know you, not the way I should know you. You know, I've lived my life through other people, what they said, what they did. I don't know God. That's what that experience did with that house. I don't know you. I know what Harry said about you, but I don't know you personally. It destroyed me. And I declared at that moment, I am going to spend the rest of my life, my number one priority is to know God. I'm not going to know Him through other people. I'm going to know Him for myself. I'm going to have my own thing with God. It ain't just be what Harry or Joe or Jim says. I'm going to know God. And I made it my goal in my life. I will know God. If nobody else knows Him, I'm going to know Him. And if everybody else knows Him better than me, I'm still going to know Him. I'm not going to worry about how much they know Him. You hear what I'm saying to you? You've got to come to that place. You've got to come to that place. And I'll tell you how you come. You come to that place broken, realizing that you don't have a relationship with Him. Realizing you live a fake life. And that's what I was. I was a phony. I was a fake. I didn't know God. I did not know Him. I'll never forget, I got in the truck, didn't have no money, had $2, didn't have no gas in the truck. So I put $2 worth of gas in the truck and went out and drove for hours on $2, real slow, way out in the country, 25 miles an hour. I just said, God, I don't know you. I don't know this, this ain't working out like they said it was. They said this is how it works. But it's not. What is this? What is this, God? Are, do you hear me? It was the best thing that ever happened in my life, honestly, as far as spiritual things. It was the best thing. Best thing God could have ever done to me. Then I had that other experience where the Lord said, You don't really believe I can use you, do you? Well, of course I do, Lord. You know, I'm in the ministry I believe it. He said, No, you don't. No, you don't. And I can tell you why you don't. He started listening. He said, you're, you're wanting this person. You're wanting that person. You want this. You want that. You're not trusting me. You're trusting in them because you're insecure and you're afraid inside, deep down. When it comes right down to it, I'm not going to meet you. And when he said that, man, it broke my heart. It didn't break my heart because I was afraid. It broke my heart because I realized the way I was treating God. Because I really wasn't believing God. I really wasn't trusting God. I wasn't like Paul. I was, this is the way I was. Things ain't working good. Oh, God, this is not this ain't what God wants me to do in my life because it's just not working out. Things are not working out. Let's throw in the towel. Let's give up and quit. This can't be God. You know? I didn't have that thing in me, like Paul said, Well, you know, they throw my hide in prison. Hey, I'm still, I am still an apostle. I can still recommend my ministry to you. Maybe from prison, you know. We may have to write you a letter from prison to ministry, but he had that confidence. When I read that, I say, Lord, that is not our experience. We don't have that confidence. Okay? 2 Corinthians 12. So we got this one thing. We got this thing where God is saying, as Chuck shared this morning, you gotta face your own bear and your own line on your own. Okay? You gotta fight your own. That's what David did. You know, he before he ever faced Goliath, he got out there, he had a bear. I think it said it grabbed it by its beard. I don't know how he killed a lion, but see, he fought the bear and the lion himself, out there by himself. His brothers weren't there, his daddy wasn't there, the mighty men of valor weren't there. Nobody was there. He was there alone with a bunch of sheep. And he fought the bear. He fought the lion. And when the time came for him to go and stand in front of Goliath, who was making everybody scared, he was able to defeat him. And he wouldn't never been able to do that if he didn't say, well, you know, I've already done this deal with a bear and a lion. Plus, he wouldn't put on Saul's untested armor. You know? And that's what I was trying to do in my life. I was walking around with another man's armor on. And when it came time to, for war... <laughs> The enemy whipped the fire out of me because I had this armor that didn't fit. He just busted my rearing good. You know, fortunately God was there. Like, whoa, don't kill him. <laughs> you know, stop. Let him get up. He'll get it in his mind that he's got to get off Saul's armor. <laughs> Let's let him go out and be by himself and kill his own bear and his own lion for a while. And then he'd come out here and fight because he won't put that armor on then because he'll know better because he's already gotten whooped up on it. And that's what happened in the biblical terms of King David. 2 Corinthians seven, twelve. 12. Yeah. Oh. Lord, help us. <laughs> this is the great scriptures. Everybody knows these. The great scriptures about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And he says, "...because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan... To buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and He, and he had, has said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, I will gather. I would rather boast about my weakness, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses. With persecution, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Well, nobody really knows what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. There's a lot of speculation about it. One of the speculations, which I tend to agree with, it was Paul's memories of persecuting the church. You know, he had several people killed. and In fact, he sort of hints at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. That's what he said. I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church. So I sort of like that theory that perhaps his thorn in the flesh was these haunting memories of faces of innocent people that he had imprisoned, that he had killed before he got saved. Okay? Now, the reason I like that is that I had this experience with the Lord... And the experience with the Lord went like this. The Lord said to me, I was at the the beach, okay? And I'd been jogging on the beach, and I was resting and cooling off, and I was looking at the ocean. And here's what the Lord said to me, as clear as day. You know, there really is a sea of forgetfulness. I said, yeah. No, he said, no, there's a real one. There's a real sea of forgetfulness. A real one. Just like that Atlantic Ocean is real. There's something like that that exists in the spiritual realm. Okay? And when he said that, all these things started flooding to my mind. They were things that I didn't do too good. Okay? There was a couple big things that I didn't do too good on. You know, that were bad marks on my record, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And I was... All of a sudden, I felt like the Lord said, come on, throw that into the sea of forgetfulness. Come on, I want you to throw it in there. I've forgotten it. Can you forget it? Will you forget it? Come on, will you do that? And he kept saying that to me over and over. So what I did, because he said to me, Byron, listen, this is what he was saying. You are living under some burdens and carrying some burdens I never meant for you to carry. I never meant for you to care. You're on probation with me. But you but I didn't institute the probation. You instituted it. You instituted this probation because of things where you messed up. Now I'm talking about things as a Christian. <laughs> I'm talking about some serious things as a Christian's did that were I'm not going I'm not going to be that transparent with you, okay? But I'm just going to tell you people got hurt. People's relationship with the Lord got messed up. And I felt like that I had some do in it, you know. I, and I really never, ever forgave myself. I never forgave myself for it. And I was carrying this thing around with me. I knew God had forgiven me. You know, I believed He did. I believed His mercy. Even though I would ask Him, from I'd think about it and pray, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I know I messed up. I was just an idiot. And this is why I did it, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when the Lord said there's this literal sea of forgetfulness. If you will take this thing and throw it in there, just toss it in there, it'll be gone. And I believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to go to and see a sea. And there's going to be a sign that says, the sea of forgetfulness. You know, where God took all our bad stuff that we have come to Him with and told Him about it. And He said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That person did that. Let's throw that in there. Let's throw it in there with Paul's persecution of the church. Let's throw it in there with this Jim Baker's uh, adultery, adulterous affair. Let's, let's throw it in there with Pam Jolly's being mean to somebody. <laughs> Pam Jolly's, I can't imagine her being mean to nobody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you with me? You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There is a sea of forgetfulness. God has forgiven us. Oh, we know that. We believe that. But have you forgiven yourself? Have you let go of Because here you're living under something God's not asked you to live under. And He wants you to release it. He wants you to give it up. Because you're not on probation with God as far as He's concerned. But you've put yourself on probation. Here's what Paul said. He said this. Fortunately, he didn't stop and... let just turn over and read that in 1 Corinthians 15. I want, you to read, I want you to see this. I'm going to read that verse one more time, verse 9 and 10. Are you all with me? Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 15. He said this. I'll just read that again. For I am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God. Okay, thank God the Bible doesn't end there. Thank God that chapter doesn't end there. Thank God He doesn't go on to another subject. See, a lot of times we read something like that, and oh yeah, you know, I'm just not fit because of all this stuff. And you're carrying this stupid thing around. Well, Paul didn't stop there. That was the great thing about it. Because he said in verse 10, But by the grace, everybody say grace. grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. You know, that's where Popeye got that thing at. You know, Popeye, I am what I am. and am Popeye the Sailor Man. He got it out of the Bible. It's, in, it's right there in the Bible. <laughs> I heard Tony Nash say that one time. I stole it from him. I am what I am. And His grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. All of a sudden it sounds like he's getting sort of, sort of cocky there. Yet, not I, but the grace of God with me. So you see the key on this is the grace of God. So you really grace is the doorway you come in. See a lot of people they never come in that door. They never they're never to ever go in the grace of God door. You hear what I'm saying to you? See, God has forgotten. God's forgotten. You know what the church needs? I think I was thinking about this. Talking about Parent, you know, parenting is about the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. It's terribly hard, especially when your your uh, children get older. Because there's a, t- yeah, amen. Somebody knows this. There's a tendency in us to want to hold on to them. You know what I'm saying? Hang on to them, and when they get in the middle of their messes, you want to want to uh, protect them. But a good parent knows when just, you know you got a mess you better deal with it I had this situation happened with one of my children I wouldn't tell you which one it is but they cried cry, crying and carrying on had this terrible situation in their life and was falling apart on me this week I'm thinking thank God that their mama was not home for them to talk to because she would not have told them the right thing to do <laughs> she would have been real nurturing and this is what you need to do, baby. It's okay. And, you know, I know. I don't know why that person did that. And, you know, rah, rah, rah. And, rah, rah, rah. You know what I said to him? I said, no, this is the way it is. <laughs> so I said to him, now is not the time to be crying. you got something you got to do. You go do it. You suck it up. This is that time in the game when your shots are not falling. And you, this, what you do now is going to determine how this game turns out. You can either win this game or lose this game. And you can go and cry to your nosebleeds later on today. But right now, it is not time to cry. It's time to suck up and get with it. You know, that was my sum total of my counsel. And it was good counsel. It was the Lord. They were able to pull through it. And when I was thinking, Lord, you know what we need in the church? We need spiritual parents that will do this to us. Exactly this. Listen. Don't be don't hang off all over over your leaders. Don't hang. You know I'm not claiming you do, and me, but anybody, anybody you really look to that you're getting something from, don't hang off everything they do. You've got to live your life. My children have got to live their life. The worst thing I can do, I could cripple them by protecting them and trying to ease everything on them. We need the wisdom in the church, the wisdom to know when to push them out there and know when to pull them in. That's what we need. We need that wisdom. We don't need to create churches that are dependent on people, that they're getting everything through that person. We need to we need churches that will create men and women of God who've got it on their own, who can go out there and do it themselves. We don't need this thing where you have a certain little small group of people who do it all. We need something where we've got people who can stand on their own two feet, And go out there and proclaim God's Word to wherever they may be. That's what we need. And we need leaders who will go after that kind of stuff in the church. But guess what? You will never be that kind of leader if you haven't settled those questions in your heart. Of who, what, when, where, why. Because you'll always be insecure and you'll always be begging something from the people around you that they can't really give you. You get it right with God first. And then you can get it from people. Because that relationship with God protects you from all the other stuff. It protects you when you lose your job. It protects you when people don't like you. It shields you. Doesn't mean you ain't going to get your feelings hurt because, you know, feelings are feelings. They hurt. But God can protect us. And I admire to this day those spiritual leaders. I, it's not, and when they say something, I listen to what they're saying because I'm thinking, Uh, better write this down because they have spiritual authority and God could be speaking through them. But I don't live. I got something else going with God. My own self. I can hear God for myself. I don't need to hear it from another man. If all of them died today, my relationship with the Lord would not be cut off. You hear what I'm saying to you? Because I got my own relationship with the Lord. You've got to get your own relationship for the Lord. You've got to do exactly that what David did. You've got to go kill the bear. You've got to go kill the lion yourself. And I'm telling you, that's what you've got to do. You've got to do it. I can't go out and kill it for you. You know, we can watch each other and see how we do it and gain from it. But the bottom line is you've got to do it. And we need wisdom. God, tell me when to shut my mouth. When somebody's needing counsel, I'm not to give it to them. If they don't need it, I need to just keep my mouth shut and just keep it on the surface and talk about something else and avoid it. <laughs> you know, just be sneaky with it if I have to. Or if the Lord tells you, slap them upside the head and get with the program here. Are y'all with me on this? This this is what Christianity really is about. We're not talking about some fake you know mess. You know, let's raw them up, pump them up, and go out there and fall flat on our face. We're talking about being real with God here. You know, and if you're not, and I'm telling you, I could not go anywhere. I got stuck in my life until I settled these issues with God. All day long, Becky could tell me something. Well, that's great. I appreciate her telling me. But she wasn't so, she wasn't so uplifting about it and more brutal, you know. You know what I'm saying? Well, I hope you got something out of this. I hope God's talking to you this morning. I believe He is. I believe there are people. Uh, two things. I believe there's some people going through some stuff. Okay? In your life, uh, it's the bear and the lion that you've got to slay on your own. We're going to pray for you. Chuck. Chuck had that word this morning. felt like God was speaking it in the hand. We're going to pray for you. So, I want, Chuck, why don't you come out here and stand? And get a couple of people from the ministry team to come out here with Chuck. Help him pray for those who... Are, you're going, the barren line, you're facing them. You've got to deal with them. Okay? Other thing this thing of not forgiving yourself. There's people in here in this room that have got stuff in their life that they need to throw in the to sea to see of forgetfulness this morning. Okay? So, Gloria, can you come out here, Gloria? Gloria! Where's Leo when you need him? <laughs> He's on. Gloria had that word. She felt like the Lord was showing her people in this room that the Lord had forgiven them, but they had not forgiven themselves. They had not forgiven themselves. So um, what we want to do, get a couple people to come in here Glory, Gloria to help her, people from the ministry team. Would you please come up and help Gloria pray for those people? I believe, this, I believe God really wants to do something this morning. Cast that thing into the sea of forgetfulness. Do you hear me? Cast it. All right, if you're facing the bear and the line, you're going to face him by yourself. All we're going to do is pray for God's strength and courage on you. Amen? So Becky's going to play. Let me pray for everybody else who wants to be dismissed. And we really want to pray for you guys and ask the Lord to bless you. Let me say one thing about the bear line. the lion. Um, It's not something that we make you do. You understand when david was out there with the sheep it happened you know he would-